Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, some thoughts on what automation really means for workers and why cloud software is more about the oceans than the skies. But first, Elizabeth Warren's plan to break up big tech. So last Friday, presidential candidate and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren unveiled a new plan to combat the growing power and influence of big technology companies like Google, Facebook and Amazon. Like much of Warren's policy prescriptions, this is about, in her words, making sure companies, quote, play by the rules, call it conscious capitalism rather than democratic socialism. But she also wants to rewrite and strengthen those rules, including antitrust regulations that are now over 100 years old. So two big planks to her plan. First, Warren wants to basically prohibit large tech companies from both owning a network and participating on that same network, saying it creates a conflict of interest. So, for example, in the case of Amazon, think about how it creates its own private label products that compete against third party sellers all within the Amazon ecosystem. Second, Warren wants to appoint regulators who would roll back existing mergers she views as anti-competitive, and not just relatively recent ones like Amazon buying Whole Foods or even Facebook buying WhatsApp. For example, she'd like to unwind Google's purchase of DoubleClick, which would be nearly 14 years old by the time a President Warren takes office. So all of this would obviously be a radical change for Silicon Valley and big tech, but it's clearly where the Democratic Party is headed as a whole. And for President Trump, who regularly bashes these same big tech companies, it could become very tricky to oppose on a debate stage. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios tech policy reporter David McCabe. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by David McCabe, who covers tech policy for Axios out of Washington, D.C. So, McCabe, you see Elizabeth Warren's thing, which is on Medium, interestingly, the uh, platform created by Twitter founder Evan Williams. So you see this on Friday. Your initial reaction? I was certainly struck at how significant it is in terms of a tech policy proposal this early in a campaign. I think it reflects the way tech has become a lot more central to the conversation. Uh, On the other hand, I wasn't totally surprised for two reasons. First, on the component of this plan that would essentially make it impossible to be both a platform operator and a competitor on that same platform. That's something she's talked about before. She said that, you know, you need sort of a Glass-Steagall Act for Amazon, referring, of course, to the the banking regulation. And then on the unwinding deals question, a lot of these deals have been called anti-competitive by some of Warren's ideological allies for a while. So it wasn't a total surprise there. And actually, on that first part, the platform thing, you know, she talked about Amazon and Facebook and Google and that. Am I correct in saying there's other companies that in theory would fall into this? There's this $25 billion revenue threshold, but that would probably include both Apple and Walmart too, correct? Yeah. So they've said that it would include aspects of Apple's app business. Uh, It's a little less clear on Walmart, but yeah, Walmart runs an e-commerce platform. I think you can be a third-party seller on Jet.com, which they own. So certainly you could see that applying as well. And I think the point you're getting at more broadly is that there are a lot of open questions about this proposal. Uh, It's pretty bare bones in terms of, you know, the gap between how big of a shift it's proposing, but certainly it's a start. From a practicality standpoint, obviously, Elizabeth Warren is still a long shot to get the Democratic Party nomination, let alone to become president. That said, assume she were to become president and were to have a Democratic House and Senate, which she would almost certainly need. Is there reason to think that what she's talking about here couldn't become law? 
No, there's no reason to think it couldn't become law, but the devil is always in the details. And once something goes to Congress, you know, you need time to write the bill and then the lobbyists can come in and help shape the bill. These companies have lots of lobbyists. They do. They do. And there's just a lot of interests around this. You know, antitrust law has remained pretty static for at least the last several decades. So any change in that is going to attract a lot of corporate interest, even if it's not, you know, directly the tech companies, they might have other, other there might be other industry players uh, who have issues with this or want to steer in a certain direction. You know, David, you and I talked, and this is now going back a year and a half. So 2017, the Democratic Party, uh, Schumer, et cetera, put forward this thing they called a better deal. And it talked a lot about antitrust. It wasn't quite as specific as Warren's being here. It was slightly different policy. But at the time, what, what Warren's talking about in part, am I wrong in saying that is the Democratic Party's actual position on these things? And if so, how is the primary going to play out? In other words, can she actually stand out with this or is this now status quo? Well, I would say this is a more drastic set of measures than the Better Deal proposals were, in part because the Better Deal proposals were sort of part of a bigger package on consolidation, which involved, you know, everything from like the eyeglass market to to internet providers, I think. And as a result, like this is very much targeted at these large tech companies and platforms or internet companies and platforms, really. So I think in that sense, she's shifting the conversation a little bit. I also think, you know, if if the status quo is these companies need to be broken up or at least severely hindered. That's a pretty scary status quo for Silicon Valley. It is. Let's talk about that. So Silicon Valley, from what I can tell, and granted, this thing came out on Friday. I've I've talked to a handful of people about it. And and obviously, we're talking way down the road. But there's been a a lot of eye rolling so far, from from what I can tell. You know, concern, but really like, yeah, we're worried, except for the part where it's not going to happen. When it comes to unwinding the mergers, though, you mentioned to me off the air that there's already talk of the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, looking at old mergers. Yeah, so the FTC in the last couple of weeks announced a high-tech task force to look at competition in the tech space. And they, as we understand it, have the authority to review previously consummated deals. So I would say the as much as Silicon Valley might say, well, how could you possibly you know, unwind Instagram from Facebook? Regulators can do it or at least can try. And there seems to be at least some consensus that it's an option that should be on the table. Mark Zuckerberg talked what maybe a couple of weeks ago about further integrating uh, Facebook as we know it with Instagram and WhatsApp, kind of their three big platforms from a back end perspective, technologically integrating them. How much of that do you think is concern over antitrust or being broken up and make it as hard as possible to break them up? You know, I think part of that might be a factor, but I think more broadly, right, of course, Facebook has been trying to marry their products as much as possible uh, for for many years, largely because uh, there's been a decline in traditional Facebook platform, what they call the big blue app, uh, and a rise in Instagram usage. So I, I think that's probably a pretty significant factor here, that it's just good for their business, regardless of whether or not it protects them against antitrust action. And I also, you know, I think, again, this is a... a thing where the specifics really matter. Uh, But I I don't know that it would stop regulators from breaking up uh, a set of companies just because it was uh, technically more difficult. David McCabe of Axios, thanks so much for joining us. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. 
Now it's time for my final two. And first up is automation, the thing that animates much of Silicon Valley and terrifies almost everyone else who relies on a paycheck. So one of the biggest financial supporters of automation is Masa Sun, the founder and CEO of Japan's SoftBank. He told CNBC last week that fears of automation from his perspective are overblown and said that our future could actually be reminiscent of ancient Rome with robots taking the place of that era's slaves, thus freeing us people up to pursue leisurely or creative activities. And it's actually not that different from what we heard over the weekend from freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking at South by Southwest. We should not be haunted by the specter of being automated out of work, right? Um, we should be excited by that. But the reason we're not excited by it is because we live in a society where if you don't have a job, you are left to die. Finally, there is a great piece in The New York Times by Adam Satriano about Google's efforts to build a giant underseas cable to connect the U.S. and Chile, including how the actual cable is currently being manufactured in a factory just north of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So it's highly unusual for a single company to do this alone. Usually several companies or even governments pool their resources due to the enormous costs and complexities. But why it really matters comes in the story's quote from the Google exec in charge, Jane Stowell. She says, quote, People think the data is in the cloud, but it's not. It's in the ocean. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great national napping day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.